show was created by a menace for menaces. Menace to society. From menace to decent society. And always has been a menace to society. You are now locked into a brand new episode of the Menace to Society podcast. Made for those who don't settle, don't stick to the status quo, and for those who aren't afraid to think outside the box. Let's go. If you aren't afraid to speak up or do things differently, even when things do not make any sense to most people, then this is for you. We smash goals and crush average. All day, a day, baby. The Menace to Society podcast starts now. This is a this is actually a more casual version of the the MAF podcast. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm your co-host Jason Payne, uh, JVP, and I got the uh, the volcano, Mr. Terrence Burton, next to me. And uh, we got some special guests on here right now. We got Peter Meyerhoff. 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 Yep. And uh, and dude, we uh, he hooked Ken in with Josh Snow. And how did you guys hear about the event? We met at Snow. Snow. Snow messaged me. He's like, I'm right by your house. I think. Are you coming to this event at all? But he yeah. was there because of Lowe's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a good dude, bro. He's looking to support you guys and his buddies there. You know, it's like literally Snow's just a good dude. That was well, because Lowe's, Lowe's left and he hung out. That's, That's what I'm saying, because Lowe's wasn't even there when we got there. Because yeah. I asked us, so I haven't even met Lowe's. Yeah, oh, his had. business partner lives here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, see, he lives right up in Scottsdale. Josh. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, I, liked, I liked him a lot, man. One of the most genuine dudes you'll ever meet, and like you can't believe like how successful that fool is, because he's like yeah. so genuine too and does not care, bro. He's just a good ass dude. So I, I am seated, right? So I'm like, the night before, like, hey, we're going to throw his dough for 30 minutes. I'm like, okay. I've heard of snow, teeth white, like vaguely, right? But that was it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and I'm like, comma, zeros, comma, zeros. I'm like, oh, right on. And I'm like, yeah. There you go. And then the story of where you come from, well, people Dude, think like he's from like the shitty ass west side of Phoenix, went to Alhambra High like School. Ghetto as it. Alhambra. Dude, we had to be escorted. I played football at Gilbert. I went to Gilbert High. Okay. I got escorted by guards at Alhambra. We played at Alhambra back in the day. Oh, yeah. 2005 football. We had to get escorted from our buses to the field yeah. at Alhambra High School. So yeah. That's, that's and a, didn't he have a computer house growing up? Do you know that? Mm-hmm. So he was at 13 years old, he was started making websites. So he would literally go to the public library after school and. Google how to build websites and selling websites at 13 years old from the public library because you didn't have a computer at home. Dude, I loved hearing this freaking story, man. Yeah. What's crazy is we're walking around right there and I'm like, I'm like, because besides my lead, that snow's as big as anybody you guys had speaking right there. No, some of the people didn't even know it was just walking around there too, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no idea. Well, there's a dude in just a big old, you know, right, baby jacket. Pumps, yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah, just hanging out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know him. He followed me on IG from Lowe's, I'm assuming. That's yeah. the only connect that I had, and they're sure. and they're tight. And so I hit him a couple of times, seeing some of his stuff on Instagram, and he'd hit me back and kind of looked at him like, oh, he's the freaking teeth whitening dude, you know? And I kind of looked at him like, seems like a cool dude. Before I knew it, two weeks later, he's floating around the event. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna go meet this dude. I don't yeah. know who the hell he is. Coolest dude. Super cool. Have you guys, ever, have you guys tried the teeth whitening stuff? Yeah, dude. No, I, I, his, I hit him. His wife bought it. Yeah, three days later after the event, because she heard Josh speak, we got packages of all this teeth yeah. shit showing up. He's such a good dude. When he came to my podcast studio, he showed up like 20 minutes late because he forgot the package from me. So he swung by Best Buy and bought me one of everything, just to get him on his own money. And then when I got home, like three days later, I had a full package that shows up to my door too with more kits and all that stuff, like an Elvis kit for my mom and stuff. It was like. Unbelievable, you know what I'm saying? A couple thousand dollars worth of stuff you just gave, dude. It's when, when you when you find a good real dude, there ain't very many of them. Yeah, for sure. So when you find them, you recognize them, and 
Yep, you know, trying to stay as close as possible to him. Facts, man. That's that's a good. Rock. I mean, just hanging out with that dude is free education, twenty four seven. You know what I'm saying? Like I was telling the youngsters that were at that event that I was like, just listen. Anytime you're around snow, just listen. I saw he just got engaged. He had his engagement party or something. That thing is insane. Yeah, yeah. Look like a red carpet event, right? <laughs> just <laughs> straight out of a movie. And it so wasn't guess, his wedding. It was an engagement party. Yeah, an engagement party. Yeah. I halfway was like, "Am I going to see a shot with like Tom Cruise there?" Yeah, it looked like it, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Dude was. Who dude, knows? Dude was wild. So, uh, Petrie slash Chappie. Oh, God, yeah. I had you, man. That's got to live forever now. You, 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 gotta, uh, live forever. you guys are making forever. my mom one happy lady right now, dude. I want we'll clip. I want to wrestle some of these stories out of you, Let's bro. Let's get them, bro. I want to wrestle some of these stories out of you because, you know, people that find a way to get some sh get somewhere in life, like other people look at them and they don't realize all the shit they've had to go through to get there. For sure. You know, like I grew up in a town of two thousand. We lived in a single wide trailer, four hundred square feet. It was it was the only time growing up where we had cable TV. And that's just because my mom didn't want me playing with the other trailer park kids because we were getting into all yeah, kinds of trouble. Kids, yeah. So we'd sit on their bed, all scrunched together, watching the Cartoon Network so we wouldn't go burn some shit down. Yeah. Right? But, uh, you know, like that's that's where I come from. Farm farm family. But people, they don't, they don't ever really know somebody's backstory. And everyone has a story and everyone and has a struggle. Everyone does. And, I, and for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, it's like, that's where you learn the most. It's not the tactics, business tactics. It's realizing like when you decide you want to become somebody else and you you just got to stay committed to becoming that person long enough to figuring the rest of the stuff out. Yeah. And when we met at MenaceCon, you know. Shout uh, out to you guys that event. It was dope. Dude, it was. It was, it, it was fun, man. Yeah. Shit like that's fun. Uh, I just got this like feeling. I'm like, this dude's got a lot of cool freaking stories. <laughs> dude, you know, like stories. scrapping from the bottom kind of shit. So talk to me about where where you grew up. So, real, real quick before you start, yeah. I want to preface the people listening to this podcast, small, most of them, right? It's going to be anybody can watch it. For sure. But small business owners, cool. right? That are or business owners that are wanting to scale their business, grow their business, get out of the grind, right? And that all have these kind of stories where they get their teeth kicked in. They start from the bottom and they want to go up. These are the people that are listening that want to you know, that, that want to get out of that rat race. Yeah, I, yeah, so like, I started from the elevator floor about 20 floors below a fucking flat line. You know what I mean? Dude, I like that. Yeah, so, but I, I, had, a, I had a great childhood as a kid. You know, I was a, it was the complete opposite. You know, I, had a, I was in a movie as a kid. I had a modeling agent as a kid. I was a top athlete. Like, childhood was good to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had, I what, was, what sports you play? Baseball, football. I used to box. Mm. Um, didn't start playing basketball until I went to prison. And you go to the high yards, there's no softballs and softball bats there. So all you get is basketball. Um, and I thought I was going to have my pick at what sport I wanted to go to college or pro at. And um, I had a fake sexual assault when I was 15 years old. That literally just, I thought, ruined my life at the time. And it also got me to where I am now. So it was all part of the plan, you know. But mm -hmm. 15 years old and she, I don't know what happened <clears throat> to this day. I think she got caught sneaking in her bedroom and was just hammered drunk and said the first thing that came to her mind. Because uh, I'll give you a little backstory. So me and my old best friend, my mom was a flight attendant growing up. And he begged me to hook up with this chick so he could hook up with a friend. It's a chick I'd known since elementary school. I could have had her any day of my life if I wanted to, never wanted to. I took one for the team for my buddy. I lose my virginity to her on that Friday night and her brother snuck them out. Like he supplied us with a bottle of Jack Daniels. They snuck through the bedroom window. He dropped them off my mom's house, just like you do when you're kids, right? Yep. He, we had one bottle of Jack Daniels for the weekend. We drank half it Friday night. They sneak back in, everything's fine. Saturday we do the exact same thing. 
son and I go to call him to go hang out and they were just like being short as hell with me. And I was like, what the hell is going on? You know? And they like kind of just like got me on the phone. I was like, what the hell? That's weird. You know? And I go back home and my mom is on the phone. And like, as I walk in the house, I can pretty much, I hear her saying something like, there's no way my son raped your daughter. And I was just like, are you, I was like, what the hell are they saying? What are you talking about? And she told me that Ashley said that I had sex while she was sleeping. I was like, you are kidding me. So I go to school the next day. She does, she doesn't want to press charges. How, how old are you? 15 years old, freshman year of high school, not even driving. So I go from being the dude in high school to like being like, they had to lock down the school and escort me off school campus because I wasn't even safe to be on school. And she like wouldn't take a lie detector test, didn't want to press charges, but bragging about it to everybody that I had done, done this or whatever. And like literally they come and get me out halfway through school and they're like, they'd already gotten a bunch of whatever you want to call them, people telling the principals that there's some bad stuff that's going to happen at school. So they literally escort me off school campus. That day I'd drop out of school. Like somebody was going to do something to you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was oh, a freshman. You were, getting, you were getting threats. Yeah, yeah. From their the parents parents or dad. So no, from the kids at school, the seniors now at school are like saying that like, this dude just, they thinking I'd rape this chick. So now like, oh, yeah. if I'm the senior, what am I going to do? You know what I'm saying? You're a target. 100%. So they, I drop out of school and I start and go from hanging out with all the athlete friends to hanging out with dudes that did drugs and weren't in school and I start experimenting with drugs and some like so that totally flipped your friend group upside down all my so damn coming full circle the dude whose house i went and robbed that i went to prison for 12 years for was my best friend that didn't fucking stand up for me if he says something it goes away he's like i'm not getting involved in that. i was like what do you mean you're not getting involved in that like she came over to hook up with me we hooked up friday night and he's just like i'm just not getting involved with that literally washed his hands of it mm. so then coming full circle years later I'm on my shit doing drugs and robbing stuff like we used to do. And then my brother and his friends come to my mom's house and they tell us that the Nelsons were out of town still and they just burglarized their house. I'm like, and they have a you know 15,000 square foot house with an indoor basketball court that says their name across half court. Like he did, you can you can Google him. He I think he was the second highest paid person in Arizona last time when he was out here. I think he made 59 million that year. Jeez. Yeah, he was the president of University of Phoenix and Apollo Colleges. Mm. And what's his name? Todd Nelson. Todd Nelson. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I went from that and then, dude, just ended up getting sent to prison for 12 years for that. Freaking just spiraled after that. Yeah. And 10 kids were involved. My little, and what's crazy is my little brother and I had went there. We went back to the house. The house was already burglarized. And I, no joke, I got 12 years in prison. I stole a snowboard, a freaking drill, some Jordan basketball shorts and Jordan sandals because right outside their basketball court, there's a closet right there that's just lined with Jordan Jordan shorts, jerseys, and so sandals and stuff. Five hundred dollars worth of stuff. Maybe a thousand bucks. Thousand bucks worth of stuff. And my buddies that took all the jewelry. They, and I, I didn't even make it out of the garage. I'm literally sitting in the garage. My plan was to take stupid stuff that would piss him off when he went to look for it. But like they wouldn't come home and like, oh, our house is robbed. Let's call the police. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and uh, so I ended up getting twelve years in prison for burglarizing that house. And there was ten kids involved. The other dude got two and a half years. My buddy that stole the jewelry had told the police that I stole the jewelry, told him where the jewelry was hidden. I thought I was this little badass kid, so I'm like, I'm not saying shit to you guys. And they just made an example of me and gave him two and a half years and gave me 12. So you kept your mouth shut and got caught all of it. Yep. Caught yeah, the whole dude. thing. Yeah. So I, and I served 11, 11 years and 10 months straight. So you went in at 18? I went in at 18 years old. I was 6'144 pounds, and I got out at a month after I turned 30 at 6'4, 264. Ate a lot of hamburgers. Ate a lot of cheeseburgers in there, huh? Yeah. But I just hit puberty when I went Like, I literally barely had armpit hair. Like, I didn't have to shave my beard. You're 18. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to shave my beard until halfway through my sentence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid, bro. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. That's, that's freaking wild. So, night one, 
walk me through that. I mean, I just, I know how I'd be. I'd be a little bitch about Se the whole thing. Senior in high school. Yeah, senior in high school at right. 18 years old. Yeah. All of a sudden, lights go off and I realize where I am. So I'll tell you, when I'm, I remember, I would say this, I, I'm going on the bus, you take the bus down there, right? And every every complex has, they'll have like a big main outer yard, it's like a perimeter fence, and then there's smaller yards in between, inside the perimeter, right? So I go to Tucson complex, I think there's seven yards there. And keep in mind, this is all like, I, all I'm going off is what I see in the movies, how prison is. I have zero idea, I'm not a gangbanger, I did not hang around with shit like this. Yeah, I understand when I play football. The, yeah, right, 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 yeah. So I'm like, yeah. we, pull, we pull up, I remember right when we pull up and I see this yard, there's just hundreds of inmates out playing softball and basketball and I was just like I remember thinking alright thank god alright I can play sports for 12 years we'll figure something out you know what I'm saying and then we drop a bunch of people off we drop a bunch more dudes off for the other thing and I get off on the last yard and by the time we pull up to my yard but there's like three of us left on the bus and they're in a soul walking on that yard and I'm like oh god here we so go so it's like they drove you past all the good stuff all the one yard then there's two two yards and there's three yards and stuff and then you go to the very last yard and they're like this is where I'm like of course this is where I'm getting off at and I remember one of the tougher things for me is like, I was always the most popular kid in Awatuki, you know? So like, I remember walking to Chow that night and I remember walking back from the Chow Hall and I'm thinking, and, and I, it's not that I was like scared as much as I was just like, dude, I'm like a nobody. And like, no one even realizes that I'm here. Like I could be gone tomorrow. And like, no, you feel like no one even cares, mm -hmm. even realize you're here. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to do my life like this? You know? And then I remember hearing just like stories about like heart checks and stuff like that. I could just, I'm a really good judge. Like I, I can judge vibes and people the way they were like, I, I could tell that they did not fuck with me there, you know? And I was just like, all right, I gotta do something to show these dudes I'm tough or something. And I ended up whooping the dude that runs my building, who's literally twice my size. And he's a guy that, I don't know if they're- so you're buck 44 at this point, six four. I'm probably 160 now, cause I've been in county jail for like a, a year and a half, but I was scrawny as hell. There was no was, way I would Was this know. one of those situations where you're like, I need to go beat this dude so- So at least so people know I can scrap People raise an eyebrow and not yeah, mess with me? Yeah, 100%, 100%. stripes. Absolutely. Okay. And he's the guy that tells me when, they, when you first come down, you know why they call it a sucker punch? Cause you're the sucker if you get punched. So he's like, so if you even think you're gonna get into somebody, you just take off on them. And I'm like, we can do that in here? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, bet. You know, I used to box, so whatever. We have some words about us playing cards in this little cubicle area, right? And he says some little smart ass shit to me. So right after count time, goes over there and I, he says something about like a little young punks need to respect your elders. And right as he says that, he goes and takes the chew out of his mouth and he turns his back on me to go take his chew out of his mouth. And just, I remember right then I was like, this is what he told me, you know? So I just God, I was on top of him. You got a shot. Beat the brakes off this dude. And then we get locked down for that night. And the next morning you come out to breakfast. And keep in mind, remember, like, no one on the yard will even give me rap or even look at me, you know? And, like, the next morning you come out to chow. Now all these, like, OGs are, like, literally waiting outside the building. Like, yo, youngster, I heard what you did, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, all oh, these dudes want to know who I am and what my deal is, you know? Keep in mind, I still have long blonde hair, too. Like, literally, like, it's as pretty boys as it gets. Like, yeah, literally, like, a pretty boy as it gets. You're what, 19, not even 20 then? Yeah, 19 years old. Like, it's not my fault I'm good looking. It's like right? a sur surfer, like, yeah, straight from the show. Or or something. Have you seen the movie The Shot Caller? Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Have you seen this movie The Shot Caller? Uh -uh. You guys got to watch that. It's on Netflix, too. And it's, like, the most real, real prison movie you'll ever see. Huh. Um, so I do that, and then they tell me the dude running the yard now wants to talk to me. So then I go out and I get escorted to go meet this dude running the yard. And he's like, I remember his name is RJ Rayborn. De define the dude running the yard, not security. The shot call. This is the, the, the inmate, the white dude, that's the, the dude calling shots for the, because every every yard has one dude that's in charge for every race. The, the king of the yard. Yep, the oh, shot caller for the yard. Yep. Shot caller, okay. okay. And uh, 
<laughs> I remember he was just this OG dude, you know, like bald as hell and like really didn't pull his glasses down to talk to me. He's like, so what's your plan here? And I was like, I have no idea what the fuck's even going on still, you know? And he's like, do you want to put in work? And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that means, you know? And he's like, so he has to explain to me, like, we get snitches here of sex friends. I was like, oh yeah, sign me up in, in two seconds, you know? And then I start putting in work and just luckily I used to box. So like when I would, when I would do stuff to people, like the yard would talk about, it, you know, I was, I would wreck dudes in 10 seconds, you know what I mean? And, and they went from a lot of times when dudes were bad, seriously, they would go send two or three dudes out to them every time. I'm like, I don't want no one there. They just get in my way. I'm like, you just send someone. So what we had to do at the end, instead of sending two or three people to, to smash these dudes, they would send me and they'd send one dude just to pull me off because I'd black out. Like literally, that's what I would say. I'm like, I don't stop. So like when it's enough stomping on their head right like that, you, someone just has to pull me off. So instead of sending multiple dudes to jump these dudes, they're just one dude would just come just to pull my little ass off them. You know what I'm saying? I'm still 170 pounds this time. And then, but you got boxing, you got boxing in the I used to box, so yeah. So it, it just worked out well, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the it boxing was saved well. my life, yeah. It worked out well, it worked out as well as it could have for going away for 12 years, you know what I'm saying? And um, it was just it was an addicting thing for me, you know. And I just like, here's the deal like 12 years when you're 18 years old, it feels like a life sentence, and then not to mention that once you see what I'm doing, and I'm like, I'm gonna get caught up doing something. There's like, I, I looked at it like it would have probably been. 50-50 if I ever made it out of prison. You know, like when, find something happens and then it pushes your sentence. Yeah, something happened or you get killed in there or something. You overdose or something. You know, it's like it's, there's so many bad things could happen to you. But like I said, it was a coin toss if I would have ever made it out of prison. And then by the time I was 23 years old, I mean, you know, I was running the first four-yard that I ever been to. And so I'm 23 years old now, running a four-yard. I am pulled a property officer, so I was in a relationship with a CO. <laughs> Stop and, it. Yeah, no joke. Stop it. Which is the best job to have. So there's there's a property officer there. Oh, I bet. Which is, that's where you get all your TVs and stuff in, you know what I'm saying? So like, that is the number one job to have on the yard. Most yards, they don't even have an inmate that works in property. This yard did, and I pulled the property officer. So like, I have this yard on a lock. Bro. So like, you were, you had the connect. I was the dude, bro. Like, so I'm, you, you know, dictated every, every, every single thing. She's bringing me in cell phones, bringing me in the dope sack, weed, every, my mom met her. My mom would come down to visit me would stop by on the way to visit to the CO's house, drop her off a whole plate of food, whatever she made for me, and then would come visit me. And then the CO every day would bring me in food from the streets. So I like didn't even eat. I was, and this, I got like seven, eight years left on a four yard, which is like one step below maximum security. And I felt like I was at like U of A or something. I used to say that. <laughs> I mean, one day at six o'clock in the morning, I had it like this at six o'clock in the morning, Doors don't even pop open yet. My door pops open and she comes and throws me this brown bag, which is like the property like bag. Like the Holiday Inn. Yeah, so like I bought a breakfast. shirt. So she goes, here's that shirt you bought from property. I open it up, it's like two bottles of promethazine with syrup. My buddy, she brought in my buddy's G-string from his girlfriend so he could have his girl's underwear in his cell. Blunt wraps. So we're smoking blunts on a four-yard drinking promethazine with syrup at 6 o'clock a.m. on a Wednesday morning. Yeah. At 23. At 23 years old, yeah. Dude. So they, they don't give you like good... Good behavior time you can get out the early. Oh, you got extended? Yeah. So <clears throat> technically you do 85% of your prison time and then you get an early six month kick out. So on a 12 percent you should do nine years and nine months. <clears throat> Every time you get a major ticket, they take good time from you. So I end up turning it into 11 years and 10 months. So I didn't catch time and get more <clears throat> time added to my sentence, but I, like I said, I lost all my good time. So I served almost the full 12 years. Because you're doing stupid shit while you're in jail? <clears throat> yeah, they did a bunch of predator packets on me. So what they say is like, they're called like, so SSU are like the detectives in prison, right? So like, and they're the guys that arrest, like they'll book you for everything. They do all the investigations for like politics and like who's running drugs on the yard. And um, so they'll do a predator packet, which means like if they have at least three inmates that request protective segregation, 
which means that they're not safe on the yard and they always have to say, why are you not safe? And they're like, chappy is why I'm not safe. So they'll do a predator, <laughs> they'll do a predator packet on you, which is an automatic maximum security. So they're like, literally, they do a whole hearing on you and then send you straight to maximum security every time. So I did. Just because your name kept coming up. Yeah, so they did three predator packets on me. So I go to max and go back to four yard for. for somebody wasn't getting holiday and breakfast or getting their, uh, their G-string from their girlfriend? Or some dopey losers that don't want to pay their dope debts. And instead of paying their debts, they just roll up because they're drug addict losers and they just have to snitch on somebody. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Whole different life. Yeah, absolutely. So like. And what's crazy is I never, I did drugs out there, but I never seen needles before. I'd never done heroin before. And it's like, I got introduced to that by a dude that never even did, did uh, drugs before either. So like, wow. I was the, cause it's, it's crazy, man. Like, so on a four yard, there's a hundred dudes on each side of the building. And I, I bullshit you not, 94 of those dudes at least slammed heroin in prison. At least. So almost every single person in there. And like when you're, I was a dude running shit for the white boys and I didn't use drugs, which is like, looked up to like they're even higher because here's the deal, if you're running the yard, you always have to have a sack of heroin, a sack or something so you can make money for the Aryan brother. You know what I'm saying? You have to do that. When you can have a whole sack of dope and you don't touch the dope, it just makes you look even like more elite status. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I had, I wasn't messing with dope. And then I remember one day, and this is how casual shit's brought up to in there. Like the Mexican dude was, so me and the Mexican, the head Mexicans lived in the same pod together. And we were, we'd always were really tight because he didn't do drugs. I didn't do drugs. We all, we always had the biggest dope sacks. We were the ballers in there, right? And one day I come home from, from work at the property and he's like, comes over to my cell and I can tell this was high as hell. I was like, what the hell did you do today? He's like, pulls out a thing, has me a whole handful of needles, like brand new needles. And I was just like, you did not slam dope today. He's like, I swear. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, how is it? He goes, it's the shit. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, stay back from Chowder and I'll have my cell hit you. I'm like, all right. And that's all this lingo, all the lingo bleeding out of him. Yeah, and that's how quick it is. So I go from like that, I'm like, all right, maybe I'll so just go from clean to free. Yeah, maybe I will slam dope. This guy doesn't, he's not a druggie and he's doing it. He says it's dope, you know? Mm. And I remember right then he hits me and I'm just like, I remember, holy fuck, this is no joke. Because like when you're on a four yard, there's nothing better to do than just nod out and sit in your bed till the next day's there, you know? So, so the day's done. And then from that time, did I start slamming dope and, dude, if you guys ever experienced, experiment with that shit. Mm -hmm. Dope singers is the worst thing on the face of the earth. So it's like, on top of that, I'm strung out now, half my sense. So that's like, when I was in max, I would get sober and I'd bulk up my weight. And then when I go back to four yard, then I start getting high again on the yard. Cause you're on the yard, you know what I mean? And it's, it's like- skinny up again. Huh? Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. So I remember when I was, when I was uh, like just under a year to the gate and I'm 175, 180 pounds and I'm like strung the hell out. And I know I'm about a year to go home, but I can't stop getting high. And I also, although I'm a year to go home, I still don't know if I'm gonna go home a year mm -hmm. because they kept adding time on for all my tickets I got back in the day. And you know, luckily it was the greatest thing ever happened, but I went to my last 10 months, I went to back to Salt Lake, but I went to the hole for another investigation for attempted murder. And I literally sat in there until I went out. But the whole time I'm in there, I don't know if I'm gonna get paid soon. The cops are waiting for me and take me to jail for calling a shot on this dude that almost got murdered, or I'm gonna actually get out of here. And I mean, it's a miracle the dude lived, man. These, these youngsters, man, slit this dude's throat ear to ear. Mm -hmm. I'm not even joking, stabbed his eyes out, like full on most brutal shit I'd ever heard in my life. The, I still hear this dude in my head, bro. Like the dude was like gargling at the end of the saying, I'm dead, you killed me, I'm dead, stop stabbing me. Like gargling like that. And I'm like, listening to right now, you know, and they come out, we killed that whole motion, like, you fucking dudes are nutcases, you know what I mean? 
And the next day I go back to the hole for calling that shot on that guy. And I sat in the hole for 10 months. Like I said, the whole time fighting, I don't know if I'm going to get charged again or what happened. But luckily the dude lived and I, I made it out, man. And I went from, went to the hole at that time, weighing about 175. So I get out, weighing like 260, you know, so I just beast up and did fucking push-ups all day. Ate peanut butter and bagels and just bulked my shit up and got out. So that's nothing with me. Like, I got out for 12 years and like, not only did I not know what I was going to do, I didn't even somewhat make a game plan. Like, I had zero idea how the world even worked. I had zero idea, like, what I was going to do for a career. Did you, did you stay off drugs right when you got out? Uh, so I did, I, but my thing was I'd never been to a bar or drinking. So, I, of course, I didn't want to go drink and pull chicks. You know what I'm saying? After that, it happened to me. I was scared to even touch women. You know what I'm saying? So, like, oh yeah, I'm very open about this. I shit you not, by the time I was 30 years old when I got out, I think I had sex less than seven times in my entire life. Mm. Besides that cop. I had sex with that cop more times than I had sex with anybody else in my entire life. You know what I'm saying? But that's how it was. So I was like scared of what was so I get out now. It was like, a little asterisk next to that. Except for <laughs> Manifestio. <laughs> so I get out and I'm like just going to the bar, just pulling chicks every day. And that's all I was doing. And my thing right there is like, because I'm not like an alcoholic drinker. Like I don't drink every day. I don't keep alcohol in my house. But when I get blacked out, I'll say yes to drugs. And... Dude, I still remember this like it was yesterday. We were drinking at a bar one day in the afternoon. It was a Friday afternoon. It was my buddy's birthday. Literally, the sun was still out. And then the last thing I remember was doing a shot of Whirlpool Mints. And I was out. And the next thing I wake up in the ambulance. And I'm like, this is like nine months after I got out. And I remember like coming to, I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I was at the bar. I'm like, what the fuck happened? So I turned to the paramedic. I was like, what am I doing here? I literally thought I was like, I hadn't gotten a bar fight. But I'm like, my face didn't feel fucked up, and usually it's not me in the ambulance. Yeah, my, so my, like, yeah, my, my hands are cool. I didn't get in a fight, you know? So, um, and he's like, you overdosed. And I remember telling the guy, I was like, I don't use drugs anymore. He's like, well, you did today. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? How did this happen? Huh. I don't even know. So I have to, like, after this all gets done, I have to go back to my phone and figure out what the hell I even did. Mm. And I was, like, kind of in and out of consciousness. When they found me, I was actually coming to find out I was full-on dead when they found me. I didn't have a heartbeat. They resuscitated me, gave me a bunch of Narcan, got my heart beating back again. By the time they got me to the hospital, my heart was only beating six beats a minute. The doctor said I'm the only person ever survived in that condition. Six beats a minute? That's after seven shots of Narcan, too. That's one every ten seconds. Yes. Jeez. Like, literally, go, like, beat, and, like, think how long ten seconds is, and that's in between. And that's after they got my heart beating, and my heart was stopped. So. Some good stuff. Yeah. So, and it's fentanyl. <laughs> So here's, oh, yeah, and here's what happened when I found out. One of my little prison youngsters DM me on Facebook Messenger, come pick him up and get high with him. I didn't, I didn't even drink, drive drunk. I drive my truck, blacked out drunk, go pick this dude up. And then just to show you how shitty those dudes are in there, after I overdose, what does he do? He takes the money in my wallet and dips out, doesn't even call the paramedics or anything. So he leaves me to die. And I didn't find this out until afterwards, but my ex-girlfriend's little sister's one that found me. And this is like the whole God thing. This is what kind of made me believe in God again. She went to go tanning after work. She said she pulled up the tanning salon. She parked her car. She got out of her car. She went all the way up to the door. She said the second she put her hand on the door to go inside, son told her to go home. Mm. She takes her hand off the door, gets oh, right back shit. in the car, and goes home to take a nap and finds me. Mm. If she walks in there and takes another two or three seconds, I'm probably gone. You, I mean, you can't stay with a battle heartbeat for too long. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like thinking, so now I remember like laying there thinking like, why the so then I had like survivors. So you're like 30, 31? Yeah, just about to turn 31. And I'm like thinking, now I have survivors and more. It's like, why would I survive from this shit? Like, my whole life's been shitting out pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've always got the shitty end of the stick. Like, why the hell would I survive with this? And I was like, and I remember, honestly, I was mad I survived. Like, literally, I was like, God doesn't want you dead for some reason. Seriously, but I was, and I was mad about it at that time. Like, literally, I, did, I was done living, bro. Like, I did not want to live. And I was like, but I was never like a pussy would have killed myself. Like, so I was like, I was literally mad that I survived. I was like, 
fuck, that was like, that was like, that was my way out right there, you know? And that's how shitty it was. Like, my life was, I was like, I was like looking for that to be my way out. I was mad I survived. And then, like, literally, like, within an hour, I bullshit you not, like, something comes over me. And I'm just like, I don't do this. Like, I'm gonna fucking quit drinking. I'm gonna get sober. I'm gonna like, try to make something of myself. And yeah, that was July 30th. Of who, who was the first good relationship as you made that decision that's helped you turn, right? Like, who, who was like that first? Call it healthy relationship. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, who was that first? You know, I'll probably say I always give her a ton of credit, but Emily Hayden. I don't know if you guys do. You, you know who she is? She's a big elite first home athlete, hmm. and she's like. So after I did that whole vice thing, when I quit my job eventually, like I had five hundred followers. Like I still didn't even do Instagram. I hated Instagram. I just talked to, you, but like I couldn't stand social. I was kind of like him. Like I hated social media, and I remember. Uh, Emily Hayden like DMs me on there and she's like, Hey, I'd love to have you out in LA to do my podcast. Here's your story, incredible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Look at her, I'm like, This is like 300,000 followers. She's gorgeous. With I'm like, What the hell does this chick want to know anything about me? You know, I'm still not thinking that I even have a cool story. You know? He's the one that's high right now. Yeah, I was like, What the fuck is going on here? You know, and then we're not talking and she's like, I mean, she's the one that got me signed the first form icon. You know, it's like, She is one of the coolest women on the face of the earth and was like, Bro. And it's just as loyal as it gets and just like cares about people, cares about helping people. And like, yeah, she's the one that honestly like vouched me, like kind of put my name out there first a lot of places. And then like, she, I mean, she got me so much love from the job. Yeah, because your reputation was was destroyed. Yeah. And I think what reputation I had was well, I was a druggie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, And then after I didn't have a reputation. Only the wrong people knew who you were. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then. Um, so yeah. she stuck her, so you're, if I understand you correctly. She stuck her neck out for you to yeah. give you some credibility because you didn't have any. I didn't have any at all. No one's me. Drug you in a jail for a like, yeah. And then I and then I go to quit my job and I'm, I'm like I had five hundred followers. I don't even do social media or anything like that. But I was like I saw that dude's making money on Instagram. I'm like I'm a hustle. I'm gonna figure this out. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, and I started making. I was making like three fifty a year at the car business. You know, I was a finance manager. Um, and just decided to walk out of it. And I was just like, I'm done with this shit. And I want to go help people. And what's crazy is like. I, I talked to one kid that was like dealing with fentanyl, you know, and I lost so many friends. And like one Saturday, I was working on it and I'm blowing this kid off and I couldn't answer any of his calls. And I was like thinking, I'm like, dude, if some kid loses it, and like he, he was trying to call me and I can't answer his fucking call because I'm literally working on the car because I'm not like, I'm not going to get over that. I was like, mm. I'm like thinking, I'm like, all right, I got to plan a way to get out of here. You know, like I, I realized like, you're like, this is not it for me. This is not it for me. And then I, and then I realized even more like when I talked to a bunch of dudes that are all getting out of prison, I go speak in prison. And I was like, my story can help a lot of fucking people. You know what I'm saying? So oh, I was like, thinking, I was like, bro. I, was like I, I gotta get out. I honestly felt selfish. Like, but I have my own office. I'm a million dollar crib. I'm making three fifty, you know, thirty, forty grand a month, just chilling. Like, I could have done whatever the fuck I wanted. I made my own schedule in finance. I, I even got a three day weekend every every month in the car biz, and which is hard to do. It's impossible to do unless you run the numbers out of finance. You know, like I need some time off. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I just decided to like bounce out, and I was just like. I'm out on this because I felt selfish. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's the deal. Dudes from prison, they don't even know it's possible to do what I did. Like, literally, like, when I got out, I didn't make a game because I didn't even know what the fuck we could even possibly do. Now, we, when you can see a dude like me that, like, was the biggest fuck you ever had in prison, drug addict the entire time. I almost got out of prison with one arm. I almost lost my arm. As violent as it possibly gets. And then you can get out and, like, literally become a millionaire within a few years of getting out of prison with literally an eighth grade education covered head to toe in fucking prison hats. And I was like, but... The inmates don't know that until they see a guy like me doing it, and then I gotta go show them that we can do this. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, now when I'm speaking at Pro, I'm talking to this like, you can see the fucking lights roll on some of these dudes' heads, you know? Because it's like, I've been there, and here's another thing about dudes in prison. There's no one when I go speak to these Pro orientations, not a single dude in that crowd has 
had a worse prison sentence, has done rougher time than me, and ran more shit than me. You know what I'm saying? So you yeah, you have to bring your rap sheet to be so. 100%. And there's another thing, too, is like dudes from, from prison, they're not going to listen to you unless they feel like you've walked your footsteps. So I walk those shoes. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's even so much as where, like, if you haven't been to a four yard in prison and you're trying to tell me what to do on a three yard, I'm not even going to listen to you. You haven't been to a four yard before. It's like so descriptive like that. It's not only prison, but you haven't even walked the four yard. You ain't been to max. So it's like, and then if you, if yeah, you were playing like basketball in the first drop off, yeah, you right. talk to me. Like, no, you still like, bro, you had softball bats on your yard, bro. Keep it, kick back. You know what I'm saying? You guys used to have softball bats on your That's how bad you were. That's what you used to say, bro. That's how bad you were. Yeah, that's how bad you used to get softball bats, bro. <laughs> Dude, that's wild. So quit your job. Then what? What'd you start? So what'd, I, what'd I, you start to figure out? I'll tell you. Yeah. So I was in. So what? What started is I was in there, and I like I said, I had 500 followers. After the Emily Hayden thing, somehow one of these vice producers saw me, I think it was either that one or I've, I got interviewed on the Fresh Out series, but this vice producer DMs me on Instagram and was like, hey, have you ever seen the show as a teenage felon? Would you like to be on the show? And I'm like, no, I've never heard of the show, but like, yeah, what do you want me to do on the show? <laughs> and the show's about you. So like, can we set up a Zoom call? And I'm like, all right, yeah, bet. So I get on the Zoom call. Wait, what's Zoom? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so I was like, hey, do you guys know what the Zoom thing what? is? Do I need a computer <laughs> yeah. for Zoom? Right? Yeah, you do it. And, oh, nice. um, hey Siri, can I get a Zoom? <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I get, I do the Zoom call with them, and then she tells me it's up to. It was between me and this other chick named Jess Kenner's her name, and I don't know if you guys follow her. She has a few hundred thousand followers on on Instagram, and she did like low security prison time, delivered a baby in prison, but she was already plotting it. So like she was doing videos from prison. She was on like some low security yard. And then I had a few hundred thousand followers. So when she said it was between me and her, I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to fit me. It's over that. And then, like, we'll, we'll let you know in two weeks, though. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, once I look at her thing, I was like, there's no chance they're going to pick me over this. The next day, she calls me back and she's like, yo, we're going to go through a story. She's like, the producers loved it and like, we're excited to roll with you. I'm like, what were the Jess kind of chick? She's like, yeah. I was like, this is cool. So I like, kind of plotted. It's that charisma, bro. Yeah, when I kind of plotted. Like, and here's the deal people are. People are fascinated with prison as it is. It ain't just a story. It's how you can tell your story. Yeah, for sure. And then on, on top of that, like people are fascinated with prison up. And on top of that, like shot calls in prison. And like people want to know the real violent shit. You know what I'm saying? Like the real. What's the first thing I want to know? I'm a Mormon kid. I'm in Utah. First thing I want to know is. That's what Brad asked me on the show. He's like, he's like, so what's the worst thing you ever did in prison? I was like, Brad, do you think I can answer that on your podcast right here? Ah. I'm trying to stay on it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to be dead tomorrow, so yeah. we're going to hold on to that one. So I decided, so I was like kind of plotting, we filmed this whole bike show, and then like they say right, right before it's um, going to release, I was like, I'm just going to dip out of here. I saved up some money, and I like, literally was like, going to take like, a little mini retirement, sell my crib, because I bought my house three years ago, so like double in value. I was like, all right. A bunch I'm of cash stuff. Yeah, I was going to yeah. sell my house. Yeah, I put 139 grand down four years out of prison, because I couldn't even run an apartment. Mm. Literally, couldn't even rent an apartment. I tried to pay the entire rent six months up front, no place to rent an apartment. So I bought a custom house. Because they run your shit and you got the thing. Oh, flight risk. Yeah, anything. Mm. So they wouldn't do it. Mm. Um, so I did that and decided to leave and like do like a little mini retirement, chill, go take some vacations. And um, I didn't even know I was going to do a podcast. But what I had done is I had built a pretty big network. So I was like, I'm going to meet with all these people that I didn't have time to meet with before and just like try to plug this here and there and just figure out what the hell I was going to do. And worst case scenario, the carpet's ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? And dude, that was literally a year and a half ago when I had 500 followers. didn't even know a single person. I had no idea what I was into. I've done all this shit in a year and a half. But like, here's what I do. Like, I talk to fucking people everywhere I go. Like, it drives my girl crazy now. Like, We'll be at the grocery store on a Sunday and like I get lost and I'm like over there telling some people in the produce section on my podcast, you know what I'm saying? And she's like, on a Sunday, please can you just like take one day off? I'm like, alright, like, alright. But I don't, like I said, I don't have an off button. 
And here's what people can benefit. But if you look at it like, instead of like, I have to do all this shit today, and it sounds cliche, like I get to do all this shit today. Like, I get yeah. to breathe fresh air, and like, no joke, I get to wake up every morning and literally do whatever the fuck I want. And not only that, anybody else in the world gets to too. Like, people that are working 40000 $50,000 on your jobs that they, that they think suck, you choose to work that job. Like, if you're not happy with your life, why continue to do the same thing every single day? It's the definition of insanity. You know what I'm saying? So, dude, in prison. So, so, yeah, so, so, dude, talk to that person right now because you got you got a bunch of people out there. They they don't realize that they're in charge of their misery. They created it. They're in charge of it, and they're actually holding on to it. One hundred percent. Like you don't have to go where you go every single morning. And here's the deal: if I didn't I didn't start making money until I was thirty one years old. Like, there's people that are you know in their thirties or forty years old that like think they're stuck. They're like, fucking quit your job and go do something different if you're not happy. If you're not making the amount of money you're making, literally quit your fucking job. Clearly, it's not working. Dude, I'm all I'm all about that, dude. I I, I have this thought that replays over and over again. I, I seriously, I think about oh, I kind of kinds of think this is morbid. Like, man, I picture the last time I, I'm getting ready to close my eyes for the last time, and I, I picture that so vividly. I'm like, what will I be thinking about? Yeah, I get chills. What will I be thinking about? I ain't gonna be thinking about some from fr- freaking deadbeat job. Or how much money I made, although I like making a shit ton of it, right? Because yeah. of what I can do with it. But it's like, what what will matter when I'm when I'm dead? And a bunch of people they don't realize, like, one day that's going to be you, and what you spent your eighty hours a week over at Intel, and you stacked some four hundred one k money. Yeah. You never got to take any vacations. You never saw your kids do shit. You never. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you are in charge of your entire experience. While you were here on Earth, while you were here, yes, absolutely. And you let fear, you conform to those around Just, you. People are scared. Whatever people was. are scared to take a chance. They're yeah, scared yeah. to take a so, chance. So Sean Whalen was on a podcast, <clears throat> not always on a podcast, but uh, spoke at Minnesota, mm-hmm. and probably one of the most impactful speeches I've ever heard. Top five for sure. And you talk about programming, yeah, and that is that's, that's how reprogram life, right? Because we have everything else. Not getting like not getting crazy and and conspiracy theories and all that stuff between. The government and the media and the school systems and all that stuff—we're literally programmed to think and act a certain way. And right. anyone that goes outside of that bubble, we get shunned for it, mm-hmm. right? We're the black sheep, and so we're like, "That's why we're like, hey, menace! Like, what is that? Like, we do these whatever somebody tells you to do. Like, go left, we go right. Yeah, like jump, we squat. Yeah, right. And like, we do the exact opposite because everyone else is going to go do that, and that's what they want us to do for sure in business with our family with our relationships with our work schedule our work ethic and it's just dude it's just stupid it's just like, we're just are so complacent out here and they're just like think like they're just stagnant they think like once i'm at this certain spot or at this job i have to stay here and like you, you literally bro that's why i asked you i said what was that first relationship that created that positive influence that gave gave a breath of life into you being able to create something different because that shit don't happen yeah. just sitting in a room by yourself. Like, we become like the people we associate with. That's 100%. why people, I'm like, you know, you want to not be depressed, don't hang around depressing people. Yeah. You know, my friends, we don't have to sit around and practice thinking positively. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to put together this amazing deal together. But first, before we do that, let's practice thinking positively. No, we're, we're so focused on taking action. There's no space to worry about. Am I depressed? Am I thinking positively? Like when you're around the right people, like life is in motion. For it's sure. moving so fast. Like you get caught up in just in, in doing life yeah. instead of thinking about life. Yeah. And those are the kinds of people like that's, that's from Minnesota. That's what when Sean, 
because we had him close it out. Mm-hmm. That's what he talked about. He's like, man, you got whatever X amount of time on this, you know, dirt below your yeah. feet. Like, what are you doing with it? Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to hear and you. Probably, like, you can re- like, I've had to completely rewire my brain three different times. You know what I'm saying? Like, so why can't other people do well, that you, here? you started with an above average life. Yeah. When I had you, 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 said, you said 20 floors below. Totally true, by yeah. the way. And some And then figuring out how to get 20, 20 floors back. What did they just give me a little confidence, too? I remember just like when I got my first sales check, dude, it's crazy. I'm 31 years old, and like my second month, I get it. It was a $3,700 bonus check, right? And I remember getting off the cold shit. That was like, because I was not no baller when I was before I got locked. I was not no kingpin moving weight, none of that. I was a thief, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, never had big amounts of money. When I had that $3,700, that was instantly the most money I'd ever had in my life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, like, what it did is just show me, okay, shit, I can make money. So, I gave me a little confidence. It just flipped that light on the side of my head. I was like, yeah. all right, it's, once I saw it, I was like, it's over with. Like, literally, now that I know it's possible, because I didn't think it was possible before, because I hadn't yeah. seen people do 12 years of prison and make something out of themselves. So like, Dope. But like I said, you gotta see it's possible. Now, like once I know something's possible, I don't care how much work it is. I'm gonna put in the work to get there. You gotta taste it. Were you, there, were you there when they uh, auctioned off T-shirts for my son? I was there. That, is that your son? Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting back in the crowd. I thought it was Jason's kid. He's good looking, bro. Yeah, you're welcome. It's <laughs> my, my wife. You, know? <laughs> you marry a ten, she a five, then becomes a seven or eight, right? Yeah. That's that's all. Yeah, I was a good kid, bro. But dude, that kid after after that all shook out because he sold three T-shirts for eleven grand, thirty-three yeah. grand, and uh, it it was interesting. Like as a dad, I watched exactly what you just described. His entire all of the possibilities in, in in his life just reset at another level. And he immediately, we start having conversations. He's like, wait a second, I just paid $16,500, uh, you know, in 20 minutes yeah. on stage. And he starts calculating out how long he'd have to go work for his grandpa doing concrete. I don't remember how many hours it was. It was just yeah. stupid. He's yeah. like, I don't even know if I'd make that this year working for him. Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like, why would I do that? And, and when when your kid asked you that as a parent, I'm like, shit, he just had an experience that took me so long to get as an adult, and he got it at 16 years old. Yeah. Because now he sees $16,500 as a new possibility. And so when you were saying that, I'm like, man, that, that's how, that's how like, we got to keep moving through For life sure. is you set those new, those new highs. But we, we live most of the time in a system where... Kids never get to experience that. And you can't forget where you come from. It's all about perspective. So yes. like, that's the other thing too. Like once you get to another level, you can't ever forget how far you've come. You know what I'm saying? Like Facts. the biggest disservice I can do to myself is forget how shitty my life was. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or you know, like not not be relatable to people that that want to move up. They just don't know how. You know, a bunch of people don't like, they just don't, they're yeah. never going to want to, yeah. but there's a bunch of people that want to, they just need to see that it's possible through someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, it's all about confidence. Like I said, just like I said, once I saw it was possible, I'm like, it's, it's over with, you know what I'm saying? Cause I know, I know the motor I have in here. I know like I where my mindset is. And it's like, so here's a, here's a great story. Like I always, it's all about perspective for me. Like no joke in life is like that. So I, I, I do a bunch of charity work with this. It's called that. Have you ever heard of sister Mary? Mm-hmm. She's a, she's a big, huge, like nonprofit out there in LA where she gets these, it's the most amazing thing. If you guys are ever in LA and want to do any charity work, it is the greatest thing you ever see. So like she's famous, she's been doing it for like six years. So she gets these lifers that are all in prison or on death row. They're doing it. 
living at least a life sentence, though, never getting out, whether it's death or life sentences, and she mentors them. They start reaching out to this church, and she mentors them and then goes to speak at their parole board hearings, their clemency mm-hmm. hearings, whatever, and gets these dudes out of prison. And then they, she employs them to work for her out there. So I went out there just to go talk to these guys and try and help them out a little bit, but I didn't even know what I was doing. So I go to, I'm out in LA, and we go to pull up like literally South Central LA, like the straight hood. But I knew there was a bunch of dudes that just did a bunch of time there. And I get out of my car, and there's this OG, old black dude, and he's like, I get out of the car, and I can, I can tell right then, just looking at him, like, this dude just did some time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I said, what's up, OG? How's it going? And I literally never forget this. He said, just out here enjoying this fresh air, man. And he was picking up trash in the dirt in South Central LA. I'll show you guys a picture of this afterwards, but he's wearing like a, a dress shirt that's three sizes too big for him. The whole bottom flap on this side's missing. He's wearing some pants with a rope that is tied because he doesn't have a belt, and the belt, the pants are probably size 50s. Mm-hmm. He's wearing boots, missing a tongue. The shit is, the, on my worst of the worst dope runs of drug drug addict days, I would have never in a million years been caught wearing that outfit. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit what I was doing. And he's out here picking up trash. Appreciate a fresh air he's able to breathe. You know why? Because when you're in maximum security, you're those things that like you never get to breathe fresh air. You literally just sit outside and look at these little holes like how nice the weather is outside. You don't get to breathe that. So like, um, as long as I can remember and be grateful that I get to breathe fresh air every fucking day, like so I get to wake up whenever I want. I'm in charge of every single day of my life now. Like, what could I be mad about? I love that, bro. You know? So, so what what are you stacking right now? What is... What, what are some things you got in the works, man? What is life looking like moving forward? So my biggest thing, my goals are never even about like money anymore. It's it's literally just about making what, a difference. What, what are you going to do, man? You got however much energy you got yeah. left. Yes. Nobody knows. <laughs> Don't know if you make it to 40 or 85. Who knows? Yeah. I'm going to die tomorrow, bro. Yeah. Dude, I mean, this may, this may be it. you you seen that Ed My Lip podcast with oh, that dude? So good. The, com- the comedian guy. He, has him, he has him on. Uh, they hit it off, become like legit friends, and then 24 hours later, like two, or something, days. two days later, yeah. the dude ends up, he dies, Dying, yeah. has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. It looks healthy, energy, you know. Well, that's kind of like, just had a breakthrough. Yeah, when, I, when I'm sitting in that, in that office, I'm like, I started making money, it's like, I had those same thoughts, I'm like, I remember just like sitting there thinking, more than this. There's, yeah. there's more to life than this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Money clearly doesn't make you happy. You know, I could have bought whatever the fuck I wanted, doing everything I wanted every day, but it was just like, I literally want to make a difference. I was just like, so I had to think of a way out, and like, my biggest thing is I just want to, I literally want to help millions of people, and I want to literally inspire dudes that like screwed up and did prison sentences that like, we honestly have an advantage on the rest of the world. Because like, no joke, like, the public side are most pussies, bro. Like, seriously. And like, when you've, right now. Yeah, when you've had your back against the wall and you've had to like claw and fight from where we've had to claw and fight from, like, Little shit doesn't phase you too much. You know what yeah, I'm you're not like, oh man, I posted three reels. Yeah. And my business didn't make another million dollars. Yeah. I think I'm going to quit. That shit don't even touch my scale. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's why I say, like, once we can harness that, like, rewire our brain, and then we know that we, like, have an advantage on the rest of the world because the world's pussies out here, we're not pussies. Like, you literally can't do anything you want. And, like, I'm showing you that you can. That so. might be another tagline for menace. We say, <laughs> be an example, be a menace. Yeah. Don't, don't be a pussy. Be an example, don't be a pussy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, we talk, we talk about. Um, becoming the best version of yourself for sure and reaching your true potential because a lot of people are like okay I've already made it Grant Cardone is one of our mentors right makes a couple bucks a year yeah <laughs> does well yeah and it talks about and Elaine has talked about it recently a lot it's like we've already made enough to financially like we're set for life literally for life and so some are like well why are you still doing it and that's where at least it's a him it's a me uh, Nikki T who's in San Diego it's a him as well too it's like this isn't just about the money again the money is part of it right 
but that's not the reason for it. Yeah. And when we truly realize that we are here, like I said, gratefully woke up every single day, but like we have an opportunity with our voice to make an impact on other people's lives. It's almost our job. That's why I look at it. Like we have a, we have a duty well, we're not held to public. We're not going to be held responsible for it. We yeah. don't meet God, whatever your, your religion, your faith is like, you're going to go meet your creator, whatever that looks like for you. And he's going to be like, bro, I gave you a voice because some people either haven't found it or don't think they have one. And so they won't be held accountable for it. But those that have found it yeah. and don't use it for good to make an impact, those dudes are going to be held way, they're going to get a harder sentence. 100%. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So, Absolutely. Well, dude, there's so many people, like my life is a culmination of seeing an example that other people have set. You know, you look at other, you look at other people and it's like, shit, man. It, that, that's why I love hearing stories. Because stories, stories, you know, give perspective. And I'm like, shit, everybody's got one. Everyone's like, I love Andy's story. Sleeping on the peace stain mattress yeah. and the deal. Now he's got freaking stable with cars and all the deal. Dude, seven years ago, that 12 employees. Yeah, dude. I, see, I, I love that shit, man. I love it because it, it keeps perspective. It's like, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to change. If it doesn't challenge you. If it wasn't you, hard, everybody would be rich. Well, and, and you can't change into who you're supposed to be if it doesn't challenge you. 100%. And, and so I love that, man. That's what, literally, it's, I mean, it's, if, if it was easy to be successful, should everybody in the world would be rich. That's well, why there's only a few people that are rich. Well, that's why people don't want pressure. They don't yeah. want resistance. Right? Yeah. They don't want that turmoil that comes with all this stuff. And they're like, must be nice. I'm like, dude, think of the pressure that they Andy want, has oh, every dude, single day. There's nothing that makes them want to fight people more when they say, must be nice. Okay. They want to be oh, liked. Dude. Dude. Rough life. Oh, damn. Yeah. 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 Another sun game? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, they don't get it. They want to be liked, man. I, so, uh, real, qu- real quick before we, we finish up here. My question I'll for you is, with, with your... Touche. When you... We talk about getting your message out there and getting your story, mm-hmm. right? Whether whether you you did time or you're just a business owner or you have somebody and you want to make a difference and you have a story, what would be your advice to those listening to get your story and your message out to the world? What does that look like? So, and, when, and it's crazy enough, like, he knows, dude, like, you just got to talk to people, man, and don't be afraid to talk to people. Like, and be real. Every single, and be real. Because real recognizes real, as, as cliche as that sounds, and genuine people are going to get noticed. You know, like, I, but it doesn't stop. Dude, I, the Circle K, I even got an engineer here at the Circle K. I, I want to check out the register, I'm telling the, the clerk about my podcast. Everywhere I go, 24 7. That's all I just talk to. What's the worst thing you can do? But like, no, I want to listen to podcasts. All right, bye. On to the next one. Like, you, you just don't be afraid to speak your mind. You got to start and, like, here's the deal start tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So many people push us off and they always want to wait till the circumstances are right. Like, that's why I was with the car. It's like, I want to wait till I had a certain amount of dollar numbers figured in my bank account before I could quit. And it's like, I'm like, I'm out. I'm just going to figure this out and try. Like, you just got to make a change and try. Like, there's never going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be a perfect time. The worst thing that you can do is keep pushing off till you're waiting for this perfect time. Bro, what I love, what I love about you is, and what, what's attractive, uh, these are the kind of people I, I, I like being around, is the people that realize, like, you got to be you and stop worrying about if you've got to be this perfect version of what people think. Yeah. You know, you just told a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. I don't know we'll have another guest in a minute. They probably will. There's not too many out here walking yeah. down the streets, but yeah. also we're locked in cages. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> we're dead. Yeah, and, and I love that because people think you know, especially with like social, it's like you gotta you gotta you know lean into the shiny flowery stuff and shy away from the things where you've made mistakes. And yeah. people need to hear that. Man. Yeah, that, that's what menace is all about. That's the feedback that we get all the time. And honestly, this whole thing that we're doing completely happened by accident on purpose. Is because somebody reached like we just got a couple DMs. Right before we came in, oh man, video, 
thank you, this changed my life. That stuff just breathes There's life. better than that, right? When you can say you literally changed someone's life. Like, I get, did I get? Because it ain't about you then. Yeah. Here's the deal, as long as you keep, you. and that's why I say my biggest message right now, as long as I keep putting other people first, like God's going to pay me back in the long run. That's why I do. Like, I put other people first every single day and let them live in my life. Dude, I love, I love that, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it came down to. Should we hit him with the ringer? Oh, yeah. The last one? So, Peter. This is, this is, <clears throat> this is, <clears throat> ready for this? I don't want to bother Peter, you. Petri. Like, I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. I'm not going to fight you. Here's the end. Don't yeah. fight him. Whatever your yeah. mother don't would call for you. guys ain't fight, man. This is uh, <laughs> about, this is, this is serious. This is serious. So, what is it, to you, what does it mean to be a menace? I would say, I could use my own life as an example. I would say being a menace would just be like knowing your worth, putting in hard work, and just not taking no for an answer. Like, when I quit my job, dude, I didn't ask one person, everyone, and I, I'm not even joking, I didn't get one person to say, yeah, I quit your job, I'm gonna try that. Like, mm-hmm. it was so bad for my brother was calling my dad, and like, my mom's calling him, and they're like, dude, he's getting for his job, you gotta talk to him. My dad's like, I tried talking to him, yeah, you gotta tell him. Well, cause you got out of prison, you were making 400 grand, you had already exceeded my family, any expectations families, that families. they would ever have. Either side of my family has ever lived in a house that I live in right now. That's my right. dad included. Sure, sure. Yeah, dude. So you're going to the wrong well. Yeah, right? So make the own well, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the one. Like, at my last speech, I'm going to be the fucking one to change my whole fucking generation. Oh, family. Good stuff, dude. Yeah, I love that, man. Oh, well, was, Peter, appreciate you, dude. Like I said, I, I just reached out to him. I was like, dude, I got to have this cat on. You like something or give me a fist or something back. And I was like, I, I never met him before. You until didn't, You didn't meet him at Menscom? No, I met him at Menscom. I know who you were. I didn't even know who Josh. I vaguely heard the name. Yeah. And that was it. And then obviously you're hanging out with him and then this, and then Josh comes to speak it, it and then you're cool. in there. And was, I was like, it was cool. Cause John's like, Oh man, you got to come meet Josh. Snow. And I'm like, okay, cool. And you were rolling with him. Mm-hmm. And then we start chopping it up. It's just, it's just wild. How that's the company. Yeah. That's what I say. But you're, you're in the back room and I'm like this big, big dude tatted up and I'm like, he's got to be a teddy bear. Let me be the teddy bear. Teddy bear. <laughs> so I started talking to him. It was like, he's like, cause what happens Normal. is, Right, well, and but most people, when you get to that status, right, I'm not there, make that very clear. People, when they start to make money, they start to get influence, and they start, that their egos get so fucking big, it doesn't sure. fit in anything. Yeah. And so when you go talk to them, they, you just get blown up, and just yeah. get blown off, and get blown off. And Carlos Reyes taught us this literally in this hallway right here. Remember this? Mm-hmm. Or was it, or was it Nick? Mm-hmm. He talked about how people, when they get to this level of, of influence, for lack of better words, or money, or whatever you want to phrase it, they talk about having transitional or sorry transactional relationships and transformational relationships and so we met you and met josh like these are transformational dudes these dudes just want to help people for sure it's like carlos and 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 josh and other people like there was no like you see my bank account you see many followers i had to think so cool i am because we're we're we've gotten that yeah it's kind of crazy but the 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 movies and everything you can, you see that but you never see the transformational side for sure uh, that's like the one up it's the exception not the rule 100%. and that was that was the coolest part I was like dude I was like wait have Josh on and you Peter on and I asked him and you didn't say like well let me uh, call my assistant and uh, see what she says look at her calendar he's like yeah bro when and I'm like let's just make it happen you know it's, so and, yeah and it's I always that was super to, cool but I appreciate it no for sure and I always try to like I just try to be like even more than this but like. When it's like me meeting an Andy Priscilla or an Ed Miley for the first time, I just try to like treat people the same exact way that I would love for them to treat me when they're for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Just be genuine and nice to motherfuckers. Like you never know how 
who's having a shitty day. Like I just literally just, I, and here's the deal, I was so mean and so angry for so long. I just tried to just be nice and shit and just happy. You know what I'm saying? And like, like I lived on that. Other it's, side uh, my whole life is house money. You know what I'm saying? So like, why could I not take the time out to do a podcast or take the time out to do another phone call for somebody that's struggling? Like, do you know what I was doing yesterday? Like I ruined my whole day because my girl's mom's sister, she had some employee, not even a family member that like just got another DUI and was like having to turn himself into jail. And I was like literally, doing like some little hold up upstairs at their place of work. And I'd literally go drive over there and just try and talk to them. literally take three hours out of my day, cancel my new meeting or something like that. Just because like, it's my job. You know what I'm saying? Like I have a duty to the world to help people. You know what I'm saying? That, and it's like, bro. I got to put other people first. Love that, bro. Yeah. Love it. It's worked, so, out. It's worked out for you. Cool. And I'm literally, we're going to get you guys on my show ASAP too. So I, I appreciate it. Let's do it, bro. All right. Meyerhoff. Meyerhoff. There we go. Meyerhoff. We've got Peter Meyerhoff here on the MAO podcast. Those that are listening, appreciate you guys. Go listen to my podcast. Yeah, what else to say? How do they get hold of you? Yeah, um, Peter underscore Meyerhoff on Instagram. My podcast is Roll Call with Chappie. And then also go to my website, PeterMeyerhoff.com. Got a bunch of stuff coming up on the website. This this dude's a menace, man. He's he's a menace freaking stamped right here. Real deal. We need to create a shirt that has menace but a sail in the background. (laughs) And then we'll we'll get a whole... Like that's a chappy, that's a chappy shirt. Yeah, that's That'd be dope. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get It's be sick. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, as we said, be an example, be a mess. Hit our boy up. Cool. Crush some Appreciate shit. It. Yeah. Stay Thank out you. of trouble or in trouble. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Menace to Society. A menace to society. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button for more future episodes and share with other menaces that aren't afraid to stand out and smash their goals. Oh, and if you own a business that's generating 100000 or more and you want to explode your business with more revenue while working less, head on over to BeAMenace.com. You owe it to yourself.